Welcome to Loud and Clear, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of women in music. I'm your host, Olivia Adams, and spring is just around the corner and many musicians are gearing up for music auditions or teachers are preparing their students for auditions. So today I'm talking with Lily Rosakis all about preparing for auditions. Lily is a musical theater performer, voice teacher, and audition prep coach. In 2019, Lily completed her Bachelor of Music honors in music theater and voice with a minor in drama studies from Carleton University. Wanting to further her music education, Lily completed the CCM Vocal Pedagogy Institute based out of Shenandoah University in Winchester, Virginia. Continuing on with her pandemic education, she completed her graduate diploma in arts management from Queen's University in 2021. As a teacher, Lily has helped many teenagers and young adults be present in their authentic voice. Her main focus is to help students achieve mindful acceptance of where they are right now in their journey and develop their unique sound and perspective so that they can feel confident and in control while performing. Welcome, Lily. How are you? Oh, thank you. That was so amazing to hear back. I'm good. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing well. Thank you. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Before we hit record, we were just reminiscing about how we used to work at the same place years and years ago when I first moved to Ottawa. But anyway, I'm pleased to be talking music auditions with you. I love following your Instagram and learning about all of the audition prep advice that you give and feedback. It's so wonderful. So I knew when I wanted to do one on auditions and spring preparations that you were someone I wanted to have on. So I wonder if we could start off by having you tell us a little bit more about what led you down the path of becoming a musician. Yeah, absolutely. I always kind of say that I just wasn't good at anything else when I was younger. So I just kind of (laughs) led me to be here. Um, It didn't in part, that was what it was. But yeah, I just, I always had an interest in music, um, singing specifically. I've been singing since I was very young. I came from a musical family uh, with uh, my mom who put us all in music lessons growing up. So I was always exposed to music and doing music camps, things like that. Just all around lots of music in the household. So when it became time to make those decisions at the end of high school as to where to go next. I considered a lot of options, but nothing really sparked my interest as much as going into music. So that's when I decided to go to Carleton, like you just mentioned, been ongoing ever since. It just seemed like the obvious path for you. For sure. I mean, I think it's just been a big part of my life for so long and I just didn't really see myself doing anything else. For sure. Well, you're a wonderful music teacher and a vocal coach and your studio is called Present Over Perfect Studio. Am I right? Yeah, present over perfect performance studio. It's a lot of P's, but it's, it's, yeah, it's a good time. I love that motto. What does that mean for you as an educator and also for your students? And how did you kind of come into that motto for your work? as a teacher? Yeah, for me, I found a big part of what I was teaching my students uh, before I even started my own private studio was awareness of where they were in that current moment in time and their singing journey and just kind of working within those boundaries, but also expanding those boundaries as time went on. And I found that that was kind of what my like teaching style ended up becoming 
just through my own background as a singer and my own experiences feeling very like trapped in um, like having perfect technique and just kind of striving towards that throughout my life. So just trying to advocate for others that like it's not necessarily always about having the most amazing, beautiful technique, even though it's great to have, of course, and I support it, but just really acknowledging your current place and being aware of where you are right now because singing is in a lot of ways very different to learn than any other instrument because it's a part of you so there's a lot of other factors at play that a lot of people don't take into account yeah certainly i think in classical music especially there's this like idealism or this we can almost make an idol out of perfection and i remember reading a book on piano practicing and i don't even remember who the author was but it he said something to, along the lines of don't reach for perfection. Perfection is for the gods and they will kill mm. you if you try to reach it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and, and it is very interesting in like music education that there's always seems to be this end goal of having perfect technique or being able to sing your song as perfectly as possible. Like just this idea of being perfect, which in so many other aspects of life, there's this understanding that you will never be perfect. But for some reason, in my experience, there's just been a lot of that attitude towards music education. And I'm just thinking, why? You know, this is all supposed to be for fun. It's a pastime that you are maybe investing a bit more time into than anything else. But you know, it's all, it should all be for fun. Why is there this stress surrounding being perfect? Like I just never, yeah. So in my studio and you know, my students still struggle with it, obviously we all do, we all do. but <laughs> we all do, but I definitely like to keep everything grounded. Mm -hmm. And just bring it back to like the reality, the current reality that you're living in of like, okay, let's assess our situation and figure out if you're feeling frustrated about how you're progressing, like why, what's holding you back? What are your roadblocks and how can we work around them or work through them? Let's talk about it. Certainly. I was teaching some lessons last night and, you know, high schoolers have just gone through their, their finals, right? Yes. And yeah. I got lots of really frantic explanations of I didn't practice this week because I was mm -hmm. studying for my camp final. And it was just this, you know, word vomit of, you know, this is the reason why it's not perfect this week. And I was like, all right, good to know. High school finals are here. You're in grade 12. That should be your focus right now. Right? Yeah, so it's it's okay. Because the goal isn't perfection, or even you don't need to be making progress yeah. that week because of certain circumstances that are surrounding your, your situation, right? Absolutely. And I've encountered so much of that in my own life too, just feeling very apologetic and feeling badly for not progressing quickly enough, especially in, in a post secondary secondary education space where, you know, you have juries, you have all these like final performances that you have to prepare for, and they expect a certain level, like year after year, you need to be progressing like a certain amount. And if you're not, there's kind of this expectation that you're not working hard enough, which there could be some truth to that, but there could also be other factors at play. And I just, uh, I find just with my own teaching and my own studio and my own students, I just want to encourage this environment of like growth at whatever speed makes sense for you. Yes. Yeah. 
Certainly. So if a student comes to you and is in that perfection mentality, they're preparing for an audition for an upcoming show or a college audition, what would you say to them in that in that moment of feeling stressed about the perfection? I would say to them, utilize that energy towards your performance in the audition. A good example I've used in the past, and this actually worked for somebody that I was working with, was they were feeling very anxious. So I literally gave them a piece where the character was an anxious character and they were pacing. (laughs) And just like, it's just utilizing the energy that you're already bringing into the performance. So it's almost in some ways disguised as part of the performance. And this is one that I think everybody says to their students when they're nervous. The idea of your nerves mean that you care about the outcome and to utilize that energy towards like your performance, whether that be actually applying it directly to the pieces that you're working on or help that motivate you to make sure everything is ready to go. Like, obviously, we can't expect that it'll go perfectly because there's always things that'll go wrong no matter how much you prepare. Sorry to burst anybody's bubble, but to remember that you have done the preparation and allow those nerves and energy to just propel you forward and don't mask it. Mm -hmm. Acknowledge it. Be mindful of where you're at. Yes. Yeah. You have energy that, right? You have this excess energy and you can acknowledge that I'm feeling nerves, right? Nothing happens when you say it out loud. Sometimes it loosens the grip of the nerves a little bit when you when you say it out loud so at the time of recording this it is not springtime but this episode will be aired around the springtime which means that we're gearing up for auditions for shows there are college auditions there's music festivals and examinations and this is one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on as you speak a lot on your social media about preparing for auditions what are some helpful tools that you can provide for preparing students for auditions whether it be shows college programs summer programs etc yeah for sure i think a good one is to just know yourself as a performer for example in my work i work with a lot of students who do musical theater voice in that regard if there's somebody who's preparing for an audition let's say i'd be like okay let's assess like what kind of com- what kind of characters do you feel comfortable playing what do you want to demonstrate to the panel right like what kind of do you want to be the ingenue do you want to be the comedic relief do you want to be the villain like these are things to take into account because if somebody says you know I do like being the villain and I would love to show them that then okay let's prepare a song that a typical villain would sing and then you can kind of demonstrate that character to them so uh, they kind of see that for you so knowing who you are as a performer I think is really important and that's my main piece of advice I'd give somebody is kind of know who you are as a performer and to go from there and kind of choose pieces that work with that everybody is different and I know in different genres of music there's it's not as like character driven as like musical theater for example but there are certain composers I'm sure you're more compelled to perform than others. That's my biggest piece of advice I would say would be know yourself as a performer. Prepare, prepare, prepare early. Yes, prepare early. (laughs) (laughs) If you have any documents that can be done early, do it early. And it can be edited, right? It doesn't need to be perfect, but as long as there's something... And then it could be worked on as time goes on. Because the amount of times I've had people like two weeks before be like, oh my God, I haven't done my artist statement yet. I'm like, you knew about that at the beginning. Why didn't you do that first? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I was chatting with a a young student. He's just entering his teenage years. And I was like, you've got to get on learning this piece. You know, we're preparing it for something specific. And, And he was like, 
you know, I don't work well until the deadline's close. Oh, geez. I know. I know. And then you have those people and you're like, I get it. But also I need you to work. <laughs> I need you to prepare this sooner just for me. So I'm not feeling stressed about you and your lack of preparation. Exactly. Exactly. I always say like, you're too young to have those ideas set in stone. <laughs> Who's telling you this is the way you work? <laughs> Absolutely. So what's something that you advise teachers against when preparing students for auditions? And you were saying like you specifically work with musical theater students. So let's gear that advice to specifically towards teachers who teach musical theater and work in that realm. Yeah, I would say, okay, this is kind of weirdly specific, but there is like a, a no sing list of songs that panels have heard thousands of times that they just do not want you to sing at all. So I would say don't give them songs from those that list. <laughs> there's so many of them that exist, you know, there's like so many of those kinds of lists that exist out there. And it's growing every single day because there's always new stuff that's coming out and that's being done a bunch and then they all just get sick of it and they're like, oh, I never want to hear that again. But on the flip side of that, if um, a student has one of those songs and it's like their best song and they sound amazing doing it and they can do it in their sleep you could risk it and see how that goes and also i would say to not box in your students as a specific type like i was mentioning earlier you know having that conversation with a student about which characters they feel most comfortable portraying there's also the other side of that where you can pigeonhole somebody to be something specific because that's how you view them as the teacher Mm -hmm. And they may feel like they may agree with you, but in an audition setting, you want to be the most well-rounded performer and you want to demonstrate different sides of yourself. So try not to do, you know, pieces. If you have to do two different pieces, try not to do pieces that are very similar to each other or have similar themes, things like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up the no sing list because there's definitely, there's something similar to that in, in piano. In every genre of music. <laughs> you know, on the rare occasion, I've adjudicated a for a lease that was spot on, That's absolutely fantastic. I had almost nothing to say. And you know, that happens. But sometimes you're right that there's like, if it's a really, if it's a really, really strong piece, then that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to yeah. blow your audition because they're there to hear you sing, right? And yes. assess your voice and not necessarily assess your song selection quite as much. Yeah, I would agree with that too. And like, I've been on many on audition panel as well. And I, I've heard many of songs on the no sing list. And there have been some that I've been like, it was fine. It was not, it didn't blow me away. But then there are some that I was like, oh, that's a really new way of interpreting that piece. Or they sang it beautifully and it just fits them exactly right. As much as there is the list of songs not to do, I wouldn't be opposed to hearing it myself because if you are coming in and you're, that's what you're confident in doing, who am I to tell you, no, stop, please choose exactly. another piece. <laughs> exactly. And I think that it can be almost hypocritical as, as teachers when we're saying, oh, don't perform that because it's been so overdone. When if we look at symphonies, like look across Canada and see how many times Beethoven's Fifth is being performed, right? And it's one of the most famous pieces of music and people still play it every single year. Yeah, for sure. It happens all around. So it's it's a bit of an interesting, that's a bit of an interesting topic that could be looked at and maybe analyzed a bit more as to like why we put that out there. And a lot of people know that as like subconsciously, it's like a part <laughs> of their learning. But I'm like, you know, 
I'm not opposed to it. If somebody is auditioning though, specifically for like a school, I sometimes will, you know, I'll just, I'll caution them and be like, hey, it's a nice piece. Don't get me wrong. It's pretty popular right now. Mm -hmm. The question is, do you want to be compared to somebody else performing that piece? You know, sometimes you're like, no, I'm like, okay, maybe it's considering looking at something else. Exactly. Right. I, sometimes I tell my students, you know, with if they're going into competitions and stuff, something that people don't know as well, because then you, that exact thing, you're not being compared and the audition panel will remember you a lot of yeah. times because you played something unique that they hadn't heard before. Interesting. Well, I love that on your Instagram, you talk about debunking these audition myths. So in your experience, what are like the top myths that musicians believe about auditions? That they need to be perfect. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it all comes back to perfection. You need to be perfect that everything needs to be exactly right just as you rehearsed it. Because at least I know from my own experience being on an audition panel. Also in any school audition, they're looking for the potential that you have. They're not necessarily looking for you to be amazing, perfect right off the start. Because especially for a school, if you're auditioning and you're already amazing, why are you going to school? <laughs> why are you auditioning here? But <laughs> regardless. Yeah, but the big one is that it needs to to be perfect and amazing and you can mess up when I was doing oh my gosh when I was doing auditions for post-secondary schools like I was a mess I messed up in every single one and the ones that I really thought I would not there was no way I got in so there's a myriad of factors that go into it as well the audition is one part of it and to remember that it's not the whole experience right there's other things that go into play yeah yes I fully agree and your future is not your future is mm. not necessarily riding on Oh, yes. I agree with that. That's a myth. There you go. That's a good one. That's a myth. Yeah, because a lot of times they're, you know, and I felt this and I was auditioning for schools too. It was, if I don't get into the school, it's the end. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. There are so many other schools or you could even like re-audition next year if you don't get into any of this year. Like there are so many other options for you and just because you're not you know just jumping in from high school to university right away doesn't mean that it's the end and that you can't like try again or go in a different direction whatever it's all good yeah that whole like let's take a deep breath and yes the 10 minutes is not going to define my future i remember feeling that when i was first auditioning for my undergrad and i was like if i don't get in i'm never going to go to grad school and i'm never going to become a pianist and no one will take me seriously and i just remember someone saying like no that's not true <laughs> <laughs> they were just like no <laughs> no because yeah there's just so much of your life especially when you're so young and it's hard because that's probably the most important thing that has ever happened to you in your life at that point in time so it, there is a lot for a 17 year old that's riding on that. So I can, I can understand that perspective because I was there. But you know, however many years later, life's going good. I ended up getting that degree <laughs> and doing things now that are related to music. So it's it's all like it's all a journey mm -hmm. and that's i find with like my studio philosophy it, it's a, it's very holistic mm -hmm. which in my experience is like a new age way of teaching where we're like let's think about the whole person not just their output like musically because i definitely that was not my experience growing up 
that's where my mindset comes from. Like I didn't have that when I was growing up. So I want to provide that for others. Certainly. I remember experiences in which I had coaches say, you should feel anxiety the night before your performance. What? And now I'm like <laughs> doing mindfulness practice with my students. And yeah. Like very zen. And I think a lot of the newer teachers, newer, younger, whatever you want to whatever you want to call yourself, they come from a place of like, I didn't have this kind of person when I was your age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to do that for others. And I think that's great because again, it's all about having fun, having a good time, learning something new, but not feeling overly stressed about learning something new. Mm-hmm. We should all be enjoying ourselves. I mean, we're making music. We should be enjoying ourselves, yeah, right? I know. Especially, I always tell my youngest students that too, because, you know, they often will put so much pressure on themselves. And I'm like, you're seven. And we're just here to enjoy this, right? <laughs> you're seven. You are seven years old. It's okay. There will be plenty yeah. of things to put pressure on later in life. Oh. This is not one of yes. them, you know? So I know that we also have a lot of pianists that listen to this podcast. And so I was wondering if you have any advice for the audition pianist, because it's this unique experience where often a singer will come in, they'll have never sung with the pianist and the pianist doesn't know your tendencies yet, right? That you don't have that relationship. And it's just one of those necessary things in auditions. So how can pianists best support the musicians that they're playing with? I love this question. This is my favorite thing to talk to my students about. Awesome. <laughs> I love it because I remember growing up, I had I had no idea how to communicate what I needed. So actually, I had a workshop about that back in like October, and it was so much fun. Everyone had blast. I would say to a pianist who is trying to find the best ways to support the singer, follow their lead as much as possible. If they're pushing the tempo, go a little faster. If they're trying to slow it down, like as they're singing, take it down a bit. Of course, we hope to have the conversation before of like, okay, what's the tempo of this piece? Are there any dynamic changes? Are there any tempo changes? Do you need me to like bring out the melody in a certain section, whatever, you know, all those little intricate details. So at least they can be aware. And I always tell my students to, hey, be mindful of what you need for yourself. Do you want the pianist to play the melody out here so you can have that for yourself if you need it kind of thing? Things like that. Definitely following the student's lead or the singer's lead, but also for themselves, maybe if they are newer to accompanying, like making sure that they have this basic tools to be able to communicate that to the singer you know so knowing to ask for the tempo playing them their starting note if that's what they need things like this so that if the singer doesn't necessarily know how to communicate it the pianist can kind of push that conversation along Mm -hmm. i think in particular if you're working with younger students right who are preparing for like maybe a show audition or something like that where they they don't have that experience of having Mm -hmm. done that before it's really important to be a support in that in that scenario yeah i kind of like create those situations in a low-key low-stress environment of like a workshop for the studio or even like a recital just for like family and friends where they only have 10 minutes to talk to the accompanist. They don't really have a big rehearsal time. So they can practice. The accompanist has the piece of music in front of them and that they need to not necessarily rehearse it fully, but be able to communicate those things with them. And I can also I also try to be there to act as supportive. Like, okay, do you need, you know, there's a tempo change at bar 55, right? Make sure you tell her that. 
make sure she knows those kind of things. So they just get more practice doing it. And again, it's just practice. They go out in auditions and learn how to communicate with the accompanist better or the accompanist try and accompany as much as you can so you can gain the experience of being able to talk to the singers and support them as best you can. You're preparing for a performance or an audition. Do you have a routine. I would say I do. It's honestly pretty low key. I, I get a little nervous, but I kind of detach myself as much from it just so in the sense of not having it affect how I feel about myself or like my value and just thinking of it as like an experience and then you do it and then it's done and then we wait for the results and it is what it is. Yeah, so I would say making sure I eat, hydrate, <laughs> warm up, body and voice and also mindfulness, exercises, mantras, things like that to just kind of get yourself in the right headspace. Make sure I have enough time to travel to the location. Make sure I find parking well in advance. <laughs> it's nothing too elaborate. I don't have like a very specific, you know, set of things I need to do in order for an audition to go well. I just make sure that I, that my song is prepared, ready to go, and also warm up is the big one as well. Those are the two main ones. Mm -hmm. Certainly. I'm always curious to see like what other people's pre-performance routines are because I think that musicians are a lot like, I mean, I don't want to compare us to Olympians, but pattern, <laughs> this routine that we we go through before we do the thing. And and then we often assess afterwards, which so whenever the Olympics are on, like summer or winter, <laughs> I always show my students like see how they did their warm-up routine then they went and they dove and then they immediately went and then they assessed right and then they went to relax and so that sort of like can we follow that same formula because everyone's gonna have a different one but it's always interesting to hear about other musicians formula so that it sort of helps to get us in a headspace yeah absolutely I, I agree with that completely I would say that at least in my experience as a singer a lot of my students want to be on Broadway one day which you know more power to them they achieve that goal that's amazing. But those are vocal athletes. Absolutely. They're singing eight times a week, uh, every week. So they definitely need to have a ritual and a certain kind of schedule that they follow every single day in order to make sure they're in the best shape. And if I can encourage singers to kind of adopt something in the meantime that will help build towards their goals and help them be, you know, the best overall well-rounded uh, performer, I think that's great. Everyone's different. So I'm not ever gonna be like, you must eat breakfast at 7 a.m. and then you must <laughs> warm up by 8 a.m. and things like this. Like, it's all relative. So as long as they come up with something that works for them, I think that's great. Certainly. That's great. Well, do you have anything getting you excited in your musical life right now? Just watching my students prepare and grow and seeing them grow as people, but also as singers is super cool. Preparing for the Kiwanis Music Festival is always a good time. Yeah. Preparing those pieces has been fun. Just doing some some group numbers too. This will first be the first time it'll be in person since the pandemic, which will be really exciting. So they'll actually be able to perform it live, which will be fun. Wonderful. Well, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. We're going to wrap up with a few rapid fire questions. I'm asking everybody the same five questions in this season of the podcast. So no wrong answers, just go with your gut. Can you point to a moment when you knew you wanted to be a musician? Yeah, when I started teaching. Mm. Do you have a favorite song to perform? Do I have a favorite song to perform? Sure. It's called I'm Not Afraid of Anything by Jason Robert Brown. What's good music or career advice you can pass on to other musicians? I think 
the best thing you could do for yourself is be yourself and promote that and nourish that part of yourself because there are so many there's so many people doing a lot of similar things they think that's going to convince like a student to go to you as opposed to somebody else is you your personality your philosophy for teaching whatever so really hone in on your uniqueness i love that what music are you listening to right now oh my gosh my students music for teaching definitely you know what i'm not a music listener when i'm not teaching i'm not gonna lie i I listen to podcasts so i'll be listening to this (laughs) that's super fair um i have to say i probably listen to podcasts more than i listen to music as well at this point i listen to music several hours a day or I'm playing music several hours a day, right? Yep. It's just a lot of music whirling around all the time. And so sometimes I need a different medium. I agree 100%. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I will have links to all the music and things that we reference in the show notes. Lily, can you let our audience know where they can find you and keep up with all the wonderful things that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I am mostly active on Instagram at Lily Rusakis. And you can find all my wonderful content that's available, free stuff that's available there. You are more than welcome to reach out to me through there as well to ask me about lessons or any of the workshops that I put on as well. I'm always happy to chat, so feel free to send me a message. Amazing. Thanks so much for coming on. No problem. Thank you for having me. And thanks so much to Lily for coming on the podcast this week. And because we are in audition and music festival season, I am just wishing everybody a wonderful experience. I hope that if you are participating in festivals as a teacher, that you have really enjoyable time for all our adjudicators. I hope you've listened to our episode last week and you have a wonderful time adjudicating these fabulous young musicians. And for all of you who are spectators, enjoy all all of the music. As always, you can find links to everything we referenced in the show notes of the podcast. And please don't forget to leave us a five-star rating or written review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to the Saskatoon Symphony Orchestra for sponsoring this podcast. Make sure you head over to saskatoonsymphony.org to purchase tickets for upcoming shows. And if you don't live in the Saskatoon area, you can watch these shows via concert stream by following the link at the top of the website. I'm your host, Olivia Adams. This is Loud and Clear, and you can find me at OA Music Studios on socials. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.